John Amor's clashing guitar chords can only mean one thing. You're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Evangelist website. Welcome. My name's Richard Morrell. I'm the Cloud Evangelist here over at Red Hat. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking tech. We're going to be talking with Steve Higashi from OnApp. Now, OnApp are a cool little company that I've had some dealings with for about the last two years now. We sat down with them in Rist in Germany about 18 months ago, two years ago at World Hosting Day. And Steve and I have been threatening to do this for probably over a year, 18 months, but we've only just had the opportunity to get our heads together in London. We sat down to start talking about stuff at the hypervisor level. So for you KVM freaks out there, this one's especially for you. Come back later in the week. I've got another podcast with Brian Stevens, CCO here over at Red Hat. Enjoy the podcast. Come back soon. You're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Evangelist website. My name is Richard Morrell. Today I have a captive audience in front of a microphone. About two and a half years ago, I was in the wilds of Germany in Rust at the World Hosting Day trade show. Far too much alcohol was consumed that week. It's a bad heady mix when you mix alcohol, geek rides, geeks and cloud. But one of the highlights of the week was making the acquaintance of the guy sitting opposite me now. And for the last two and a half years, we've bitched and moaned about not being able to get a podcast together. But he's in London, so I thought, let's get a microphone in front of him. It's Steve from OnApp. Steve, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Steve Higashi, cloud analyst for OnApp. Um, yes, we met two years ago, and we've been trying to get this together. Okay, so OnApp. Talk to me about OnApp. Okay, well, OnApp is a uh, infrastructure as a service company. We build platform, uh, cloud management platform to help host data centers, etc., compete against the big guys like Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, the main problem is that people can go to Amazon and they can spin up zero to a thousand servers in uh, a few minutes. You, mm -hmm. you can't go to a hosting company and say, I want a thousand servers and expect it the same day. You're probably going to have to wait a few weeks. So what we've done is built the capability to offer the same services. And in the future, you'll be able to buy and sell resources from other on-app customers. So we call that a federation. That will be coming soon. Right now, it's uh, our CDN network, which we have another product and a, a storage uh, platform that uh, we've built that you can use commodity hardware with. So all three of those combined uh, make on-app. And your preferred hypervisor choice is? Zen and KVM, actually. Okay. So it's a sort of mixed hybrid breed of, of hypervisors. But for that select few that want to use the <coughs> proprietary, yeah. we do support... ESXR. That was the VMware police coming to get you, by the way, that noise in the background. Oh. <laughs> I call them Vamoire. Yeah, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, you, but you're a big KVM fan, aren't you? Yes, KVM is uh, very unique. I like it, and I think it's surpassing its other brethren, Zen. Okay. I think the fact that you have KVM as well in the kernel doesn't do, do, you know, do any harm whatsoever. No, definitely not. It I mean, helps. The, the Open KVM project's gone from strength to strength, and you have the likes of IBM and Red Hat and the community going out there and pushing it. And I talk to customers who don't understand the fact that you know they go and buy Rel and they go by they're going by Ref and they've already got it. They don't have to then go and buy something else. They don't have to go and make an acquisition for or build yet another silo. It's already the technology is already there to do it. But I think some people are quite scared by the fact that they know how to run up a lamp stack and they know how to run Samba. They don't know anything about KVM. So where do they go for information if they need it? KVM actually has a large community online, uh, which you can go to. I find that a lot of the companies these days, there's, uh, I'm talking commodity-based uh, hosting companies, and 
I find that they're used to Zen just because of the software that they use deploys Zen. So they feel more comfortable that way. But the, the whole issue is that the community for KVM is, is fairly large. And they are basically neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. When we were over World Hosting Day, I remember having this sort of mental scrapbook going in my head, going around you know the, the trade show on the floor and looking at how many people preferred spinning up Zen to KVM to VMware. And it was about 50-50 at the time. But now when I go and talk to organizations who use Zen, they tend to be more, I wouldn't say hobbyists because that's offensive. It shouldn't come across as offensive. But they've built their entire architectures about Zen. It's all they know. And you know they're not willing to think about change just for change's sake, and that's that's all well and good. The whole part of open cloud is your your choice of hypervisors to move your your workload of choice too. But you know, from Red Hat perspective, we had our acquisition of Cumrinet, you know, nailing our colours firmly to the mast, saying that KVM is the way that we want to go, and all those performance characteristics we've been able to put into KVM as well and into the upstream kernel really doesn't hurt Red Hat. And I think now when we start looking at things like OpenStack and you know you've got the upstream Azure Hyper-V stroke and also the upstream for, for VMware already in there for Grizzly um, you know KVM is still very popular when it comes to things like OpenStack to be able to run KVM on top of it but you're right about the unknown because they're so used to using other products <clears throat> the unknown is very scary yeah like those old sailors out in the ocean but uh, now there's more information communication Yep. networking the ability to find more out more about uh, about kvm about red hat products mm-hmm. just about the future mm-hmm. it's um it's readily available and i don't see that there should be a problem moving to kvm i know the unknown is very scary but kvm offers quite uh, quite a lot of opportunities for uh I guess you could say flexible infrastructure, flexibility, scalability, and mm-hmm. so on. I think some of the tool sets as well that we've been developing as, as part of Cloudforms 1.0, which is now superseded by Cloudforms 2.0, enables you to start thinking, well, okay, I can start building my cloud, and I can start managing my cloud and understanding what's going on across multiple heterogeneous environments. So it enables you almost to do those Zen migrations a lot quicker than you would have done in the past if you wanted to go to another hypervisor. Because essentially, you know, you can back, use backup technologies to back up your image and then deploy it on, on another hypervisor choice it's not as difficult as it used to be no it's actually quite fluid these days um and it's only going to get better yeah i believe the the uh this type of technology is a little bit different mm-hmm. and um the knowledge out there the ability to get help when you need it is out there now it's not like it was uh 10 years ago for example we did a uh, podcast in portland last week and one of the statements that came out of it was that you know, when you go to a, a world hosting day or you go to a, a VMware day or a VMworld, um, you know, if you ask people who's contributed code, you know, five people in the corner would stand up, whereas for with OpenStack, half the room stands up because that's where it's at from a community perspective. So, um, you know, we, we're very fortunate in the respect that the open source community is so 
giving when it comes to both code, love, documentation, beer. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, I've drunk more beer. I, I, I think I've put on like at least half my body weight again since I got involved with Open Source. It's probably not very good for my heart or my liver. I know my wife's not very happy. But when I start talking to companies about using KVM as an alternative to using Zen or using Hyper-V, again, you know, there's not a huge amount of pushback because people understand the whole ROI piece, the whole return investment. But again, I think sometimes they're put off by the fact that it's that little black magic, those dark arts to actually tune it and get it working. But with companies like OnApp, you have all those skill sets there to help them achieve that. That's correct. And um, it's also it also gives you choice. That's the problem before. There was no choice. You kind of were stuck with one type of solution. Yeah. But now the, the choice makes competition. Mm-hmm. Not competition in the economic type sense, but competition as in... Let's see who can write the better code. Yeah. You know, it's, well, that's, it's more that's, challenging. that's not a bad competition to be in, to be honest with you. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, releasing open source projects back in the day, and you were forever looking at a potential angle at who was doing what. You know, I'd, I'd spend my time looking through DistroWatch and SourceForge and seeing who was doing what with what UI and who was using what version of OpenSSH or OpenSSL to just to try and get that little bit of competitive advantage. And it's the same when you look at, you know, we released RDO last week, which is our community upstream of OpenStack to provide this base level you can go and deploy on any RHEL-based platform, so CentOS, Scientific Linux, et cetera, et cetera, and realizing that a lot of the compute power in OpenStack is around alternatives to Red Hat and making sure that we restored some of that balance by giving people the alternative, but also to be able to Again, push KVM because it's part of the stack that we have. And it's the same with Cluster, and it's the same with all the technologies that we've acquired at Red Hat. It's no good at having just acquired them. You've also got to get them into the mix, into that stack of products. And that's, that's where the difficult work comes in. But the important part is that Red Hat is behind KVM. Yeah, sure. It's not just some random thing that's out there. No, no, and, and we are very much behind it. And uh, you know, a lot of the Israeli secret source that came in when we acquired Kubernetes has enabled us to really march forward very quickly. And also to put it back into the community upstream, you know, everything that we do is very transparent and very open. You know, if you look into the 3.6 kernel, you see how many commits that Red Hat has compared to everyone else. Um, but you know, the open cloud marches on the ability to to have that conversation transparently and to start thinking about avoiding vendor lock-in. And it's weird. I go and talk to a lot of ISPs who've become cloud companies because everyone else was. They've got a cloud because everyone else was standing one up. And you go and look at their cloud, and it's predominantly VMware. And they have vCloud Director and the whole gamut. And I start thinking to myself, well, that's all well and good, but at some point you've got to pass the cost of this on to your end user, the person who's consuming cycles on your cloud. And it makes you non-competitive because at the end of the day, you're offering what I would call catalog service items without the flexibility to actually talk to your customer about what he actually wants to do. And it's to be successful, I think, especially in the managed hosting European space and the ISP space and the cloud space, you need to be able to engage with your customer to understand what workloads they're moving to cloud. And, and KVM fits that message very well. You know, it, it, it scales very well and it's documented. As I said, I think we could probably do a better job of helping people to understand how to use it more because at the end of the day, the functionality is there. But it's no good if you haven't got the disciples in the field who are going and talking about it. See, the thing is with against pr- proprietary type software, like a VMware, for example, they'll sell you a product yeah. with a lot of features, but nine times out of ten, you probably won't 
use 50% of those features. It's the Microsoft Word factor, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I miss that little paperclip. I really do. No aid memoir. <laughs> if any of the LibreOffice guys are working, please give me an animated GIF. Yeah, it is. You're true. I mean... I remember when I first developed my own open source project, I took a Red Hat image of 702 meg and we pared it down with a knife one Sunday afternoon to 600, no, to 69 by taking all the Ethernet drivers and the man files and all the demons we didn't want. And it's the same now in the respect that I think things like OpenStack are, are breeding innovation. We're enabling people to do really cool stuff in cloud. And with OpenShift as well, we've got the three clicks to cloud model in the respect that you take your Node.js wrapper or your your MariaDB application or wherever you're running and you just push it to the cloud. And with with Zen and KVM, at least you can get under the bonnet and understand how, how, how virtualization works. It's not just about standing up a cloud, it's also about user education and the next breed of, of, of administrators who are coming out into the marketplace. Because at the end of the day, we're going to be hiring those guys or potentially even working for those guys in years to come. That is true. This industry is still changing. It's, it hasn't matured yet, and there is just so much more to uh, to be offered out there. Well, the, the funny thing is... Um, there's a lot of hosting companies out there, and I believe that we're a very, like I said earlier, we're a very reactive industry yeah. as far as hosting and MSPs and data centers are concerned. The What I've noticed is that now when you were, if you were, if someone were to ask you what the largest public cloud out there is, they would say Amazon. Yeah. How did we lose out to a bookstore? Yeah, that was what the guys from VMware said a few months ago, wasn't it, the press, yeah. the press launch? Um, I don't know if that's disingenuous to Amazon. I mean, I know that the world's biggest retail companies, Walmart, and if they wanted to compete with Amazon because they've got fiber to every building, I'm no doubt they could put a data center in each Walmart star, store and they'd kick Amazon's butt overnight. Amazon have at least differentiated away having Amazon Apple and having all those cool stuff around EC2 and AWS. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that innovation is trapped within Amazon's confines, is it? No, it is. Uh, I believe the industry is actually more API driven. Yeah, very much so. Steve, it's been great having you on this podcast. It's overdue. I think we should really catch up and do this remotely a lot more. We were going to do it originally back in the day. It just you know, you never came to Austria, dude. I I, I go to Germany. I go to Switzerland. How I've avoided going to Austria, I don't know. I've got certainly no excuse. So uh, I do have a travel budget. Great having you on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for having me. No Bye. problem. Thank you.